SEP Fanfic Readings presents Thanks to the Photographs by Unstable Hufflepuff Chapter 11 Today is a wonderful day. The Golden Girl's secret new bow. For as long as we've known her, Golden Girl Hermione Granger, Order of Merlin, first class, has leapt from lover to lover faster than the poison of a venomous tentacular kills its victims. It should therefore come as no surprise to the public that she has a new bow tangled in the web of lies she coolly weaves. What is surprising, however, is that Granger is in no rush to reveal this mystery man to the masses, content to keep him hidden for herself. The first wizard, as far as we know, to capture Granger's attention was none other than the boy who lived Harry Potter, great defeater of Lord Voldemort, Order of Merlin, first class. Their relationship was a heartwarming display of young love that, after the tragedies of his past, Potter deserved more than anything else. But it was not to be, for she was not who we thought. Quickly moving on to the next famous wizard at her disposal, Granger was next seen canoodling with Bulgarian Quidditch player Victor Crumb, who was residing at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry in the late 1994 and early 1995 due to his involvement in the Triwizard Tournament. Clearly, having one Triwizard champion wasn't enough for Granger, and she sniffed out her next prey much like a Niffler hunts gold. Though her expo, Ronald Weasley, Order of Merlin, first class, long held a torch for her during their time at Hogwarts School, Granger held out until he, too, had gained fame of his own. It wasn't until Weasley had a shiny new reputation and a Gringotts account full of galleons that she finally saw him as worthy of her attention. We all know how that story ended, with Granger partaking in an illicit affair with a young muggle man. Unsurprisingly, this man's name also carried a certain amount of weight. What she was hoping to gain from her relations with him, we cannot be sure. Money and fame were things she already had, but perhaps she's more insatiable than anyone thought possible. During a not-so-friendly lunch with Potter at the Leaky Cauldron in Diagon Alley on Saturday, Potter expressed his concerns about her new beau, stating that he did not trust him. Granger brushed him off, unwilling to hear his advice. The real question is, why is Granger keeping this new relationship a secret? Surely she would want to flaunt this mystery man, too. It was unclear whether or not her beau is a wizard or not, but, knowing her, his name will likely be one we recognize. Seeing as he is someone Potter dislikes, a list that is undeniably short, for who could the sweet-hearted saviour of the wizarding world possibly dislike? There are a few candidates that make sense. The first name that comes to mind is Victor Crumb, who Potter is undoubtedly still bitter towards. Is it possible that during her absence Granger was with Crumb in Bulgaria? One would think that after having your heart shattered by the ruthless golden girl, you would be less inclined to welcome her back with an open embrace. The men Granger leaves behind, however, have always continued to be devoted to her, including Potter himself. How long until Granger steps out with her new beau? Will it be crumb? Will her new relationship finally tear the friendship she shares with Potter apart? I assure you, I, Rita Skeeter, will be the first to know. Hermione wanted to break something. She sat on the floor of Draco's living quarters with the prophet laid out on the coffee table before her, biting the inside of her cheek to keep from shouting. Draco sat opposite on the sofa, hunched over as he marked a stack of essays on cheering charms, but his quill was no longer moving, and he was watching her curiously. "'For Christ's sake! Does this woman have no shame?' she exclaimed. "'I bet she was in her animagus form, listening in on us the whole time!' She suddenly gasped, and Draco straightened up, looking at her expectantly. Harry removed the muffling spell when Tom brought us our food. Oh, that bitch! Draco made an odd face, as though fighting a grimace, and wound up wearing a pained expression as he asked weakly, So it's true, then. She heard correctly. 
Hermione huffed and got to her feet, taking the prophet with her. She collapsed onto the sofa next to him, carelessly bumping his arm, and laid the article out on his lap. "'See here, where she points out that Harry was concerned about who I was spending my time with, that he didn't trust them.' Draco nodded, biting his lip. "'We were talking about you!' She was taken aback when he let out a sigh of relief and dropped his head onto her shoulder. "'What? Did you think it was someone else?' "'Well, yes. Yes, I did.' "'Draco, I hardly leave this castle.' said Hermione pointedly. I spent almost all my free time with you. If I was seeing somebody else, you would know. Right, he mumbled. Is that why you wanted me to read this article? she asked curiously. Because you thought I was seeing somebody. No, said Draco quickly. Well, at least she used a more flattering photo of me this time around. Hermione smoothed the paper out, looking down at the image of Harry and herself leaving flourish and blots, her arms laden with books and a broad grin stretching across her face. I actually like this one. Me too, said Draco quietly. You look pretty adorable. Adorable? Really? Hmm. That's not an answer. It's all you're getting. Hermione let out another huff of annoyance and patted the side of his head, signaling him to lift it. She tossed the prophet aside, snatched her own stack of essays off the coffee table, as well as one of the red self-inking quills she'd gotten for her birthday, and laid back down on her front to continue marking, her calves resting on Draco's lap. "'They are when it should be a they are,' she shook her head in exasperation. "'One would think by O.W. year this lot would have firm grasp on proper grammar.' "'There should be a language acquisition class here,' she muttered. "'Half of my students are completely illiterate.' She felt Draco shrug behind her. "'It's up to their parents to teach them,' she said. "'By the time they arrive at Hogwarts, they're supposed to know all that stuff already.' Hermione chuckled softly. "'What?' "'I'm just trying to picture Lucius Malfoy teaching you the alphabet,' Draco scoffed. "'No, he wouldn't,' he said. "'That sort of thing wouldn't have been expected of him anyway. "'Nor my mother, for that matter. "'I had a tutor. "'Most pure-blood children do, at least those who come from families like mine.' Oh, Hermione thought for a moment, chewing on the end of her quill absent-mindedly, before returning to herself and hastily pulling it away from her mouth. I think Molly taught all of her children. Weasley matriarch. Mm-hmm. Yes, she would have. Draco paused, drawing a deep breath, and Hermione could practically sense him holding back from commenting on the Weasley's lack of money. I think Aubrey Penelin is trying to make up for almost hexing me. Her essay is twelve inches long. I only asked for nine. "'Are you one of those teachers that take marks off for the extra length?' Draco snorted. "'I'm going to take a wild guess here and say that you have a lot of experience with that.' Hermione rolled her eyes and did not answer. He pinched the back of her thigh and she let out a high-pitched squeal. "'That's what I thought,' he chortled. "'Shut up!' The door to Draco's quarters was suddenly thrown open, and they both glanced up to see Veronica march over and drop into one of the armchairs opposite, a copy of the Prophet in her hand. "'Knew I'd find you here!' she said smugly, sounding rather breathless. So, Myony, who's the mystery man? Oh, for the love of... It's me. I fucking knew it! Hermione rubbed her temples. Veronica, for the last time, we are not... She was interrupted as the door was thrown open again, and Neville appeared in the doorway, panting and red-faced. I told you, he gasped, slumping forwards and bracing himself on his knees. To just leave her... Another gasp. Alone! "'It's Draco!' cried Veronica, beside herself with glee. She waved the prophet in his face. "'He just confirmed it, Nev! You owe me a galleon!' "'I've 
beg your pardon,' said Hermione, utterly horrified. She propped herself up on her elbows to glare at them both. "'You were betting on us?' "'That's irrelevant,' said Veronica dismissively, not looking at her. "'The point is that I was right, Nev.' She held out a hand, palm up. "'Pay up, bitch!' Neville gaped at her, then at Hermione and Draco, who then said wearily, "'You can relax, Longbottom.' Well, that was me she was talking about in the article. I'm not her... What did she call it? Secret new beau. Neville sagged in relief and stumbled over to the empty armchair, letting the door fall shut behind him. He was still panting, obviously having chased Veronica there. That's good to know, he said breathlessly. He gestured between them vaguely before letting his arm drop to his lap. She's right that you two do act like it, though. Even Luna thought you were together when she was here. Hermione's mouth fell open in shock. She was glad Draco could not see her face at that moment, because she was certain it had turned bright red. "'Oh, yeah,' said Veronica, snickering. "'When you two disappeared, she started going on about sex between different zodiac signs. Said she'd been doing research on it. A bit of a personal project. Fuck, I love that girl!' "'Would she say?' asked Draco, and Hermione, outraged, swung her feet up blindly in hopes of kicking him in the face. But he caught her by the ankles and pinned them down, undeterred. "'Uh,' Neville scratched his chin, suddenly very fascinated in his shoes. "'Well, according to her, earth signs tend to be more honest,' Veronica began excitedly, sitting up straighter and tucking her feet beneath her. "'Straight to the point, you could say. They're typically more rough, or aggressive.' "'That fits,' murmured Draco. Hermione attempted to kick him again, but his hold was too strong. "'Air signs, on the other hand,' Veronica went on, "'like to think things out. They plan what they're going to do before they do it.' Luna said that they were some of the most sensual lovers she'd ever had. Neville began humming to himself, still staring at his shoes. Overall, she said that sex between an earth sign and an air sign would be blunt, whatever the fuck that means, and fulfilling, Veronica shrugged. It made sense at the time, but I was drunk, so, you know. It took everything in Hermione to refocus on the essay in front of her. Inamatis conjurus, she thought determinedly, used for conjuring an inanimate object. Blunt and fulfilling... She gave her head a little shake, blinking several times. Increases in difficulty the larger and more detailed the object is. Draco's hand was resting on the back of her thigh, and the touch suddenly felt hot on her skin. Even those practiced in the art of transfiguration can struggle to conjure precisely what's in their mind's eye, the most sensual lovers. She dropped her head on the sofa cushion, groaning in frustration. She did not want to be thinking about this. She could not be thinking about this. Draco was her friend, just her friend. She was most certainly not about to shag him, no matter what Veronica and Luna thought. "'All good there, Myony?' "'Mm-hmm. I'm great, Veronica. Thanks for asking.' "'You seem a little bothered.' "'I'm not.' "'Are you sure?' Hermione raised her head abruptly to glare at her. "'I am trying to mark these essays, and you're distracting me,' she snapped. "'So if you're not here to work, please leave.' "'Someone's in a mood,' muttered Veronica, glancing sideways at Neville, who in turn gave Hermione an apologetic look. "'Fine, then. Come on, Nev. Let's leave these two to their shagging.' "'I swear to God, Veronica, relax. We're going. Fuck, woman!' Hermione dropped her head back onto the sofa cushion and waited until she heard the door click shut behind them. Draco was shaking with what she assumed was silent laughter, and she looked back at him over her shoulder, glaring. "'That's enough,' she hissed. "'Get back to work, Draco.' He snorted, looking infuriatingly amused, but leaned forward to pick up his quill all the same." Hermione walked backwards while she counted the heads of students heading to Hogsmeade, Draco walking forwards beside her with his arm looped through hers to keep her from walking into anything. 
He had been practically trembling with glee all morning at the prospect of bumping into Ron. She wished she could share his joy, but in truth she was terrified. When she'd written to Ginny earlier in the week about visiting Hogsmeade, she'd confirmed that Ron would be there at the new Weasley's Wizard Weezes location the same day. He and George had planned their grand opening to line up with the first Hogsmeade trip of the year, leaving Lee Jordan to supervise their employees at their shop in Diagon Alley for the day. Hermione had to admit that it was a smart business move, but oh, did she loathe the decision. She had spent nearly an hour getting ready for that morning. If she did see Ron again, she was determined to show him just how badly he'd messed up. Did that make her vindictive? Maybe a little. But she would need the extra boost of confidence today. She was wearing a very form-fitting white top, a navy blue miniskirt, and a black leather jacket with matching knee-high boots that she'd recently been having fantasies about stepping on Rita Skeeter in her animagus form in. "'Anthony Baxter, I saw that!' she shouted suddenly, and a small Gryffindor boy who had been tugging on a girl's pigtails, ducking every time she glanced behind her, dove behind one of the Hufflepuff Quidditch team's bulky beaters. Five points from Gryffindor!' "'Oh, let them have their fun,' said Draco. "'You didn't even see what he did,' snapped Hermione. "'He was pulling on that girl's hair.' "'Something you can relate to, hmm?' "'Piss off!' "'Language Professor Granger. "'Bite me!' Draco inhaled slowly almost peacefully, as though drinking in the fresh air. It was disconcerting. He beamed up at the sun, keeping them warm despite the cooler season. "'Today is a wonderful day,' he said pleasantly, "'and I'll not let your bad attitude ruin it for me.' "'You're just hoping we run into Ron,' said Hermione scathingly. "'I asked Theo for some suggestions, you know,' he went on, pretending she hadn't spoken. "'He's got quite a vast knowledge of hexes and curses.' It's disturbing, frankly, but in times like these, incredibly useful. No lasting damage, said Hermione emphatically. Yes, yes, I remember. Draco released her for a moment only to spin her around, so she was facing the right direction, and throw his arm over her shoulders a second later. Smile, Hermie. Today is a wonderful day. The moment they reached the edge of the village, the students dispersed, scattered more like, disappearing into various shops and pubs, she couldn't for the life of her keep track of them, and they'd only been there a minute. Her head was turning from side to side as she spun in circles, fighting to keep her eyes on as many students at once as possible, and suddenly envious of Mad-Eye Moody's magical prosthetic. "'Would you relax?' Draco said, laughing slightly. "'You're going to make yourself go cross-eyed.' Sighing, Hermione stopped and turned back to face him, then stumbled slightly, dizzy from all her spinning. "'Seriously, Granger, what's the worst they could do?' "'Sneak off to meet a fugitive hippogriff and an escaped mass murderer?' Draco stopped laughing and stared at her, his mouth hanging partly open. She gave him a sheepish smile, and he blinked several times before finding his voice again. "'Right. So, that's—' "'You'll be telling me about that later.' He cleared his throat uncomfortably. "'Anyway, the point is, none of these kids are as batshit crazy as you are, so I'm sure they'll be perfectly fine. Now come along. We have lunch plans.' Hermione frowned at him as he looped his arm through hers and they began walking her down the busy street, whispers and stares following them as they went. "'What do you mean we have lunch plans?' she asked anxiously. "'Who are we meeting?' "'Just some friends of mine,' said Draco innocently, not looking at her. Hermione froze, forcing him to come to a halt and turn to face her. She stared up at him in horror, the nerves she already had multiplying with every passing second. "'Draco, please tell me you're not about to make me—' She gulped, her eyes widening fearfully. "'Share a meal with Pansy Parkinson?' "'No, of course not,' 
he said dismissively, and she instantly sagged in relief, permitting him to continue leading her down the street until they finally reached the hogshead. He opened the door to usher her inside, smirking. It's Pansy Knot now. Hermione almost stopped breathing. Draco had to practically drag her through the doorway and into the shabby pub. She caught one glimpse of shiny black hair from the other side of the smoke-filled room and spun back. She placed her hands on Draco's shoulder and fixed him a hard look. Okay, I need you to tell me how my hair looks and you have to be completely honest. He snorted. Draco, I am being serious right now, she snapped, digging her nails into his upper arm so harshly that he winced. If you're going to make me interact with Pansy Bloody Parkinson for the first time in five years, then I have to make sure that there is absolutely nothing she can say about my hair. Draco studied her for a moment before carefully removing her hands from his person and holding them between them. Granger, I promise you, your hair looks gorgeous, he said, giving her hands a comforting squeeze. They just want to meet you. Well, he amended, grimacing a little, meet you again. You don't have anything to worry about. Hermione took a deep breath, steadying herself, and nodded to him. Smiling, Draco released one of her hands and used the other to guide her across the mostly empty room. Aberforth Dumbledore raised his eyebrow at Hermione as they passed the bar, and she gave him a tight-lipped smile. They finally stopped in front of a table that sat not one, but three of Hermione's old classmates. Pensy Knott sat on one side, drumming her purple talon-like nails on the side of her glass and eyeing her skeptically. With Theodore Knott, whose dark brown hair was neatly combed and whose eyes were narrowed slightly, and the handsome, dark-skinned Italian that was Blaise Zabini sat at the head, lounging on the chair as though it were a throne. Draco pulled a chair out for Hermione, opposite Pansy, and had to give her a gentle shove before she actually sat down. Chuckling slightly, he lowered himself into the seat beside her. Hermione crossed her arms over her chest and looked at Pansy, who had mirrored her movement. They glared at each other, not saying anything, each one waiting for the other to cave first. Even when the others spoke up, neither of them broke eye contact. "'Well, isn't this fun?' said Zabini, snickering. "'I'm not sure what you expected, mate,' said Not grimly. "'Considering there was a very high possibility of wands being drawn,' said Draco comfortably, "'I'm actually quite pleased with the outcome.' "'Merlin, I haven't felt this much tension since husband number four's final dinner party,' muttered Zabini. "'If this ends with someone dying, I'm going to be very cross with you, Draco.' "'I'll survive.' "'That's what husband number four thought, too.' "'Blaze, if you keep bringing up your mother's dead husbands,' said Not warningly, "'I'll bring up my father, and then Draco will bring up his days living with the Dark Lord, "'and this lunch will quickly become extremely depressing.' "'I was simply trying to add some humor to the situation,' said Zabimi primly. "'Except it wasn't funny,' said Not. "'At all,' confirmed Draco. "'Finally, Pansy uncrossed her arms and cleared her throat delicately. "'I suppose your hair doesn't look awful.' Hermione scoffed, rolling her eyes. Twisting around in her seat, she gestured desperately for Aberforth to bring her a drink. He nodded knowingly at her, before she turned back around to face Pansy again. "'It's nice to see you, too, Pansy,' she said coolly. Draco snorted softly, and Hermione reached under the table to pinch his thigh, causing him to yelp. He rubbed the sore muscle while glaring at her, or at least trying to. The bastard couldn't stop smirking. "'Excuse me, there's no need for violence.' "'I gave you permission to hex Ron,' said Hermione incredulously. "'And this is how you repay me.' "'I have to say, that was very admirable of you, Granger,' said Zabini politely. "'Thank you, Zabini. "'And precisely why we asked to join the two of you for lunch today,' he said happily. "'We didn't want to miss out on the action. I'm sure you understand.' 
Hermione was profusely grateful that Aberforth chose that moment to show up with a tumbler of fire whiskey for her. "'Everything all right over here?' he asked, watching her down over half of the drink before setting it down on the table. She nodded, forcing a smile that was more of a grimace. "'Okay. Let me know if you need anything, Granger.' "'Another fire whiskey for Draco, please, Aberforth,' said Hermione, without thinking, "'and two orders of chips.' He gave her an odd look then, but eventually nodded and stalked off towards the bar. "'I hate the chips here,' Draco murmured grumpily. "'They're always soggy.' "'Well, if you want to have a drink while we're meant to be supervising children,' said Hermione strictly, "'then you're going to eat, too.' He opened his mouth to protest, and she silenced him with a look. "'No, Draco.' "'Fine,' he mumbled sullenly. She looked back at the others, only to find them all staring at her. Their lips parted in shock. Not recovered first, blinking rapidly and clearing his throat. "'Forgive me,' he said awkwardly. "'That was just a little too reminiscent of the Potter Weasley days for my taste.' Pansy and Zabini both nodded in agreement, before Zabini suddenly lit up, a broad grin slowly spreading across his face. "'Well, look who it is,' he said in a low voice, his eyes glinting maliciously at something on the other side of the room. "'It's almost as if we summoned him.' Hermione turned her head to the side so fast that she cracked her neck. Wincing and rubbing the sore muscle, her eyes locked onto that oh-so-familiar head of flaming red hair near the bar. Ron. He was leaning over the counter, talking to Aberforth. There was a goofy smile on his freckled face that made her heart clench painfully. He looked the same as he had the last time she'd seen him, all the way down to the shoes on his feet, which she'd bought for him when his old ones wore down to their soles. Aberforth said something then, and Ron threw his head back and laughed. She'd almost forgotten what that sounded like. Draco brought the rest of the world back to her attention when he placed his hand on her thigh. He leaned over and whispered in her ear, "'Just say the word, Granger.' It was at that moment, while Hermione was staring wide-eyed at Ron with Draco's head bent towards her, his mouth hovering beside her ear, his hand on her thigh, that Aberforth pointed directly at them, and Ron glanced over his shoulder— immediately meeting Hermione's gaze and promptly freezing on the spot. The few people who were conversing over drinks around them fell silent, and the entire pub was still, as though the establishment itself was holding its breath in anticipation. The second Ron lifted his foot, turning his body fully towards her. Hermione turned her head back to face Pansy, swallowing the bile rising in her throat. She grabbed Draco's hand and squeezed it anxiously, needing something to hold on to, and reached for her drink with the free one. She was raising the glass to her lips when Ron came to stop beside her, his hand tucked into the pockets of his trousers. "'Hermione,' he said softly. She nodded at him, took a small sip, and set her tumbler back down on the table. "'Ron?' she acknowledged weakly. "'What are you—' he shuffled his feet nervously, lowering his gaze to the floor for a moment before glancing back up at her. "'What are you doing here?' "'Having lunch.' He nodded, swallowingly. Can I speak to you? You're speaking to me right now. Ron sighed, rubbing the bridge of his nose. I meant away from... He gestured vaguely to those she was seated with before his eyes suddenly widened as he realized who they were. Long time no see, Weasley, said Pansy coldly. He looked back at Hermione in shock, opening his mouth to speak before hastily closing it and narrowing her eyes at where she was still squeezing Draco's hand. Are you fucking serious? "'Oh, for the love of God,' Hermione muttered, releasing Draco to prop her elbow up on the table and promptly hide her face in her hands. "'Really, Hermione?' 
Ron shouted in outrage, and she nearly flinched at the amount of ire in his voice. Really? He was a fucking Death Eater, for Merlin's sake! What the hell are you thinking? Thanks, Weasley, said Draco with an irritable sniff. Shut the fuck up, Malfoy! I'm not talking to you! Hermione, would you just— He let out a growl of frustration, and she just knew that his ears had gone bright red in his anger. She could hear Zabini snickering. Would you please come outside with me for a minute? I need to speak with you. Hermione inhaled shakily, the anxiety overseeing him again dissipating, only to be replaced with the hot flames of anger. She slowly lowered her hands and raised her head to look at him, clenching her jaw so tightly it was almost painful. You know what, Ron? She said in a voice of deadly calm. Fuck you. Ron blinked at her dumbly. Fuck you, Ronald Weasley. Hermione repeated louder, rising from her seat. She prodded his chest with her finger, trembling slightly in her fury. "'Fuck you for not being able to keep it in your pants!' she prodded him again, and he took a step back, swallowing. "'Fuck you for turning half of my friends against me!' She shoved him this time, soliciting several gasps, and he stumbled. Distantly she heard Pansy giggling. "'Fuck you for using the name I picked out for your daughter!' She raised her hand, balling it into a fist, and with all the strength she had, she reared back and punched him directly in the face. "'And fuck you for marrying the woman you cheated on me with on my fucking birthday, you spineless bastard!' Ron was clutching his nose, from which blood was dripping as he clung to the side of the bar to keep himself upright. Breathless and cradling her hand, Hermione turned back to Draco, who had been watching in apparent awe, and gave him a nod of approval. "'Do your worst!' That was all it took. Within seconds, he was on his feet, his wand drawn and pointed at Ron. Hermione didn't bother sticking around to watch. She gave Aberforth a strained smile as she passed him on her way out, still clutching her injured hand. Sorry for causing a scene. Aberforth inclined his head towards her, a familiar twinkle in his eye. Don't worry about it, Granger. She continued outside without looking back and leaned against the side of the pub, drinking in the cool air and instantly relaxing. That had been cathartic, to say the least. Draco exited half a minute later, grinning excitedly in a way that was almost adorable, with Pansy, Knot, and Zabini following right behind him. They applauded her, smiling, while Draco swooped down, picking her up, and spun her around, laughing. And she felt freer than she had in years. Practically euphoric. Even found herself tipping her head back and laughing with him. Draco was right, she thought blissfully as she wrapped her arms around his neck and held him a little bit tighter. What a wonderful fucking day.